What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brothers Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen City P. Watson. As always, back online, my partner in crime, Dante Chase Bridges, aka Dante Chase Bridges, never needed an aka. And together, that will make us the brothers. Oh yes, yes, it is another it's unusually balmy November. It's a very nice day. It's a very nice day in Chicago. And, well, for the most part, because, you know, it is Chicago. And the times we're in right now is a little bit off-key. Mm-hmm. But I want to do, real quick, a shout-out, real quick. Okay. To us. Because we just had our birthdays this past weekend. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, we, yes. We are getting older. I had a wonderful time. I had <laughs> multiple parties. I had gifts. I had presents. The Bears lost tremendously. Ugh. Somebody named Williams sucker punched somebody about two, three times. Mm-hmm. But overall, I had a good birthday party. I'm glad. I love my family. Love my peoples. I had a great time. I had I had a good birthday. I didn't really have any parties because I guess you know COVID shit. But I did have a really good time. Okay. I did have a good time. I got some presents, and it was really you know, fun. So let's keep going with this, man. All right, so let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. We're about to get political, because you know how we do when we bring the politics. Yes, yes. We are going to talk about an incident that has occurred. It was UCLA, I believe that is. UCLA. There's a cheating scandal that mm-hmm. this young brother is going to discuss about, or going to tell us about. And, of course, you know, we want to talk about this little shit show called the presidential election that just took place on Tuesday. Yes, 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 Because we yes. don't know what the fuck's going to happen with this. Mm-hmm. Actually, we kind of do. But first, we got a little something we have to call Town Hall Business. Mr. Bridges, what you got? Shout out to all our people. So, shout out to WIAN in Nashville, Tennessee. Shout out to Kevin Mumphrey. Shout out to iHeartRadio. Shout out to... Who picks us up? iTunes. Shout out to Spotify. Shout out to everybody that you can catch the Brothers Podcast. Trust me, we ain't nothing but a Google away. Go Google the Brothers, okay? That's all I got. You ain't talking about your event, though? No, we ain't got to talk about okay, that. We'll, we'll, we'll put that up tomorrow. Okay. As always, shout out my official DJ, our official DJ JMC, and his podcast, Podcast S, and the world's greatest podcast that's coming back. He told me to shout that out, too. And Daydreams to Reality, all on Air TV, their hub on YouTube. Also, shout out my partner. I'm trying Jennifer Williams on our sports show, Beauty and the Brain. We got a new episode coming tomorrow. All right, all right. Check all right. that out. It's tomorrow. We're dropping a new episode. Um, and, of course, shout out to y'all, the viewers who come in, who tune in each and every week, who try to support us. We love y'all. We, we appreciate y'all. Keep the support coming. Hit the like, hit the share, keep moving. All right, let's get it popping. Let's talk about first, Mr. Bridges. Yes, yes. You have brought to our attention that there's an interesting scandal going on in UCLA. Yeah. Please expand on this, what is going on right now. So recently, okay. there has been a abnormal yet usual thing is happening at UCLA. It involved the Chinese diplomats and Chinese students cheating for a long period of time by having access to tests, access to quizzes, access to teachers, all the way from freshman year to their graduate year. So if you don't know what this means, basically Chinese students that was going to UCLA had access to everything they needed in order to pass each class 
until they got to graduate school and they got the same amount of, what would you call that, provision in order to keep passing and go into their careers. But how is that even possible? What are they doing? How do you do that? Well... Is that like a system or a code or what they do? It is a system that the Chinese culture has been doing for hundreds of years. And just dealing with education alone, if it's happening in UCLA, trust me, it's probably happening in multiple, if not hundreds of colleges around the campus. Mm-hmm. I know one thing that happened when I was in medical school in Dallas, Texas at Parker. There were groups of I would say, let's just say Caucasians, that were privileged to have access to all the tests and all of the quizzes. So what they would do was, the people that they liked, they would get them, study all the tests and the quizzes, not studying the material that everybody gets, go past the test with 98s, while all the other ethnic groups, aka black people, were struggling and basically just washed out. So this practice of people having a test or having access to information that nobody else has, this has been going on since the beginning of this thing we call education. It almost reminds me, that brings up an interesting one. You remember that movie about the Steinmetz cheating scandal that happened in Chicago? Don't talk about it. Now, remember there was this movie, I forgot the name of the movie, I wish somebody would break it up. But it was about a couple of kids in this academic decathlon in Steinmetz High School. And, you know, they were going up against one of the major schools among educated schools like Whitney Young. Right. And they had a preliminary exam and they kind of failed. They flunked that. So somehow they got access to the tests mm. that were in the academic decathlon. So they started getting the answers. They started taking the tests. They write down. They researched it, got the answers and started copying and pasting answers into certain devices or being in order to pass the decathlon. Now, they ended up winning a lot of awards, but the significant jump of their of the point scale from their practice runs to this was a significant increase. I bet the hell it was. And it was enough that launched an entire investigation. Mm-hmm. Even got the police involved. And to the point where finally they got a confession out of one of the students that they cheated. Keep going, bro. But it was also interesting because they basically found out that the whole academic decathlon headquarters was basically in Whitney Young. So they kind of exposed that, too. See, how I truly feel about the situation, mm-hmm. number one, it's nothing new. This has been going on, like I said, since the beginning of education. And honestly, I actually agree with what they're doing. See, something that Coach Belichick said, he is the head coach of New England Patriots. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, okay? And the thing about it is it's not necessarily cheating because when you have everybody or every racial group or every ethnicity or every group of people Mm -hmm. cheating in a different way, but you're the only one that has this moralistic, altruistic standpoint that you're going to struggle through it Mm -hmm. and eventually not make it because that's what tends to happen, then who's really the dummy? So when you deal with this Chinese cheating scandal, this is just one thing that got exposed. This is one of a hundred Chinese ring scandals or one of a hundred racial ethnicity group scandals dealing with college. When you get to the things like the UCLA's, the Harvard universities, the Princeton's, the Ivy League's, do you really think that these people get into that college and then succeed just on their merit or their academics alone? Hell no. No. They have so much help. And I'm not talking about a tutor. 
I'm talking about their daddy went to school with the judge that's over the uh, alumni or the boosters club, which allowed them to get into Harvard University. I'm talking about their mother is actually the dean of students. I'm talking about the Chinese diplomat that went to school with the guy that's uh, the provost of UCLA are probably well connected. These people are not getting into school by their merits and academics alone. They are getting into school because of a hookup. Mm-hmm. And what black people fail to realize is in order to get ahead in this society, you have to know people. It's not what you know, it's who you know. So this Chinese cheating ring is something that's been going on for a long, long time. And this is actually the way that they're doing it. This is the way that they do it. They don't get through Harvard by just studying alone. Isn't it interesting that since we're bringing this up is that the Chinese are coming up with a system to cheat the system because white people have been doing it for so many years and they don't like when somebody else does it? I think smart people have been finding out a way to cheat the system. And yeah. smart people don't like when other people get ahead because they've cheated better. Right. <laughs> and, it's almost like you envy. Yeah. It's, it's like, well, goddamn, I was cheating with, uh, you know, I was talking to this dude, but you done went and you done got the whole Chinese diplomats to come and help you. I should have did that, so I'm going to expose you. But you know what? <laughs> that actually might be a good thing because... If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Look at it this way. We're Bears fans. We wish our Bears would cheat. Yeah, <laughs> cheat a little bit. Cheat a little bit. Bust your ass and cheat. I mean, mm. that's how basically we get ahead in this world. Because it's um, something that a guy named Christian Amerchi said. He said there's no measure of health in a sick society. And what that basically means, if you're the only person that's trying to do right in the devil's playground, then you have to evaluate who you truly are and do you belong in that situation and are you functioning by their rules. So if you come into this saying that the Chinese were wrong by doing this, no, the end game is not about getting a hundred on the test. The end game is about them getting that paper, which is a degree, coming back to their Chinese, uh, you know, diplomacy. And then after that, being able to help their culture and their people. Getting an A on a test is small potatoes to them. So saying that they're cheating, they're like, we're not cheating. We're just playing the game. This is not the end game. I think a lot of black people feel that college and getting A's in college is the end game when it's honestly the beginning of the game. That's right. why we get caught up in all this. Well, I'm going to do it the hard way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust my ass and isolate myself by going to an all-white school and because I'm going to make it. We have a moralistic standpoint about the things that we do instead of really playing the game like everybody else is playing the game. You know what interesting is? Is that we always want to bust our ass and do it hard. We, we want to bust our ass. And get it done, but at the same time, says sometimes we only bust our ass when we've already failed at trying to cheat. <laughs> so when you fail at trying to cheat, now you got to work twice as hard to get back up. To we ain't got work. the resources to be cheating like that, right? It's <laughs> fucked up, man. No, because when I was in medical school, I'm be honest with you. If I would have had the resources to do what they were doing, because they were getting 98s in my group of black people, we were getting 50s and 60s and 70s, but these people were getting 98s on tests that had 200 questions in the study for you had to memorize 500 slides. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was damn near impossible to get a good grade in some of these courses. So if I would have had access and privilege to be able to cheat like they could have, or these Chinese people in UCLA got busted for, Mm -hmm. I would have jumped all on it. Because the end game is to be financially secure. Not worrying about a hundred on the damn test. Well, yes. Speaking of end games, oh man, what are we about to get into? We are about now in the end game of what we've been talking about, or we've been 
getting on y'all asses about for the last couple of weeks. And we talking about this presidential election mm. between Trump and Biden. We are now in the end. We in the end game. It's, it's not Are we anymore. in the end? Like, it's kind of right now, it looks like we're, it's being prolonged a little bit. We're about... Two days removed from the election, and we still don't have an official winner. But we wrapping up. We just waiting on a couple of states. You know, Nevada, you know, I think they went to the club, had a hangover. But they going to, you know, once they recover, they going to give their votes. Pennsylvania just said, fuck it, we done counting. We going home. We count this shit in the morning. I think Georgia went to Cancun. But they going to be back on right. Friday. They going to, you know, they going to you know, show us what's up and how they really feel. You know, Michigan just found that lost truck of mail-in ballots that there was sitting in the back parking lot. They was just like, all right, hold on. Oh, damn. We got some more mail-in ballots. Hold on. Bring that shit in. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. We got nine hundred thousand right here. We, we, we come on back in here. We gotta count this shit. Sorry, yeah. overtime for everybody. Maybe. Hey, overtime <laughs> ain't no problem. Man. But tell me, how you feel about this whole presidential election? This, the, 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 the how it's shaping up. The way Donald Trump is acting. Because you know the brother is reacting to everything now. He calling conspiracies on states for non counting. They said that his son just lied. About these people burning some of these ballots, man. So, how do you feel about this overall, bro? It's some bullshit. As, as always. It's always going to be some bullshit. Because there's always a bullshit in the political scheme. And we've been saying this shit for weeks. Mm-hmm. There's always a scam. There's always a scammer. And there's always someone getting scammed. Right. The scammers are the ones ru- running in this election. The scammers are us. <laughs> We're the ones getting scammed again. I recently, let me sidebar a little bit. Recently, I had a little bit of a post that I said that I am so sick. This is about, I'm calling out the people of social media again because I like doing that because y'all just be tripping. I am so sick of people who have been grandstanding and gaslighting, especially people like us, grandstanding and gaslighting for two politicians that really don't give a damn about us. They don't give a fuck about us. Trump don't care about us. Biden damn sure don't care about us. Look at us. Mm. They don't give a fuck about us unless it's a voting ball, unless they can benefit from it. Mm. So why the hell are people so divisive on social media about, oh, well, if you're a Trump and you voted for Trump, you can't fuck with me like that. Or, oh, you a blind person, you voted for Trump. Like, both of them ain't shit. It really don't make that much of a difference who you voted for. I think the first thing we got to do is just realize what the presidency is for and who they're for. Mm-hmm. The presidency is not for the people. If you understand the way business work, the president is not the one in the company that has all the power. Mm-hmm. The board members are the ones that have all the power. And the board members tell the president what he's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Just take, for example, the NFL. Roger Goodell would be considered the president, a.k.a. the commissioner of the NFL. Mm-hmm. But he's not the one that tells the NFL what to do. All of the owners tell Roger Goodell right. what they want to be done, and then Roger Goodell executes it, a.k.a. executive branch. Right. You see what I'm saying? So the person, which is the president, he's not working for the people. Mm-hmm. Who he's working for is the board members, a.k.a. the corporations around him. Mm-hmm. So he's not for the people. He's for making sure that the corporations have their agendas passed. You know how they always say that a president always he comes in and he has the agenda set for it already. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what they mean, because these a.k.a. lobbyists who come in, these people that have their own agenda or they 
are someone like a Walmart mm -hmm. or someone that might be wanting to import more immigrants into the United States comes in, sets the agenda, give a boatload of money or give a boatload of access to their country. And now the president does what they want, not for the people. Prime example. Remember when Trump first got in the office and he was flying off the wind with those executive orders? Like executive order this, executive order that, to sign off executive orders and try to get shit popping. And the Senate and the House is like, nah, that's not happening. Nah, we're mm -hmm. not doing that. Nah, it's not happening. We don't have the budget for that. He put out an executive order for this damn wall that the United States don't even have the budget for. Told Mexico he was going, they were going to pay for it. Mexican president was like, <laughs> no, senor. And then that was it. <laughs> but you know something that's real funny? Uh, for the past 20 years, every Republican has had an election or had a campaign that involved building a wall. Like, right. Trump was not the only one that had that wall, wall. Right. George Bush had it. George Bush Jr. had it. Mm -hmm. All of the Republicans going back for at least 25 to 30 years ran somewhere on having a wall built. It's almost like that agenda that they have to do in order to get into the game. It's, right. it's, it's just... It's like bringing hope, as if Obama said, you know. Right. It's just what they say, you know what I'm saying? Right. But I got a question for you. What's up? Let's say because it's looking like Biden's going to win this. Yes. What do you think the United States is going to look like ran under Biden? Expensive. Because okay. here's the reason why we're saying it's expensive, because one of the biggest fears about Biden winning this is that there's going to be an insignificant tax increase case in point if you ever heard about biden's tax plan one of the major things about biden's tax plan is i think if you make over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars you're gonna get taxed by up to what 64 percent i think up to 64 percent now here's the thing you're talking about one hundred and five thousand dollars. we're talking about an upper percentage of people who are living pretty well who are going to see more money taxed out of their pockets. Now, here's the thing. You do realize that rich people you do just that. You, you what? know what you just did. What? But keep on going. What I just yeah, do? Yeah, you know what you did. All right, what? Keep going. Okay. As long as you know. Okay. But you do realize that these so-called rich people are not going to let this go or let this happen. You do realize that, right? So what usually happens when rich people be like, all right, you want to tax us? All right, let's move our money here. Let's move our money there. Let's move our money here. Let's make it untraceable. So when these situations tend to happen, guess who has to end up fitting the bill now when this high-ass tax plan comes in and we can't afford it? The middle class or lower. So now if the middle class or lower now have to fit the bill, when we already have to pay more than what we're supposed to be paying, What's going to happen now? I disagree with you. Why you I, I'm going to disagree, and now I'm going to attack you. Because you know what you did. Why it, I did? And it is on now. I ain't know I did. <laughs> First of all, with that tax bill, the middle class and the poor class, especially the middle class, is not going to be affected. Because if you know anything about economics, there is only two types of class. Number one, it's the poor. And number two, it's the rich. And the middle class kind of falls in between like a Venn diagram. It's something that usually doesn't actually exist. It's just a class that has enough money to go back and forth to work, back and forth to work, back and forth to work, and can't miss two. So 
there's going to be almost a stalemate that happens in between the middle class because it's not going to get affected by a tax increase by more than 5%. The 64% that's going to affect that $150,000 person is going to drop the 200,000, 300,000 almost back to what the middle class is going to make. So what Biden is actually doing with this that a lot of people don't see, he's actually taking us out of capitalism and creating communism again. But most people don't see that because if you take somebody that has $150,000 and they get taxed at 64%, that means that their income just with national tax alone drops all the way down to 60,000. And that's before you take out state tax, pensions, 401ks, or anything that might come out, child support, or anything that may come out. So you have essentially upper class that's getting reduced to middle class, and middle class that makes $60,000 staying the same because theirs only increases by 5%. So what old, uh, not Obama, but I call him Obama because basically they have the same type of agenda. Biden is doing is creating a communistic viewpoint, and most people don't even see it. So there's something else that Biden is actually doing, and it's going to really affect the economics of the United States. Biden said when he first comes in, he's going to bring in 11 million immigrants into the United States. Now, I'm going to tell black people why you need to be aware of this. This is one big ass reason. Number one. Immigrants usually do not go to royal areas of the United States. What does that mean? Royal areas of the United States is highly concentrated with Caucasian people. Immigrants usually go to the higher concentration, a.k.a. the cities. Metropolitan. Metropolitan reason. Metropolitan hubs of the United States. When they go there, they are competing with the people that are already there, a.k.a. the African Americans or the urban youth. Mm -hmm. So... Black people are going to be specifically affected by if 11 million immigrants are let into the United States. The way they're going to be affected is, listen, immigrants come in, (laughs) when they come in, they don't go for the same amount that you go for. They always undercut you by 10, 15, or 20%. So that manufacturing job that you're making $30 an hour with, when you have an immigrant that either comes from a... Uh, south of the border or comes from a European or a West African country, he's going to come in and he's going to undercut you. So you making 30, he's going to request 15. So what that's going to do is undergird the African-American middle class, which will drop them into poverty. And it's going to put another set of people that have never been on this goddamn continent in a position to be the new middle class. So you really need to look at this. Al Sharpton always uh, says immigration is key. Biden always says immigration is key. Kamala Harris runs on immigration. And trust me, she's not for the African-American to succeed because she doesn't claim that. Her caste system in India is Brahmin. So you are going to be highly affected on the first day if Biden wins this presidency as a black man and a black woman. All the middle class jobs working in banking, all those middle class jobs working in manufacturing, especially when Industry 4.0 hit, it is going to undergird the black society. So what I suggest you do is understand that you have one thing, intellectual property, meaning you make money through your brain. And that's the way you need to start to transition from relying on a company to relying on your own goddamn self because Biden is not going to do you any justice because he's going to undergird your black middle class. I have a thought. Now, this is something that goes to this, which is explained. And I come to this conclusion. And it's going to happen pretty quickly. 
I do not believe Biden will make. Well, he will probably make this, but I don't think Biden is going to make an eight year term. I really honestly think this is just another four year pit stop, just like Trump is. It will be another four year pit stop before they go right back to Republicans. Because if you look at this like this way, people haven't talked about this, but even though we have Biden running for president, Republicans have taken seats out of the House of Representatives. Now, people don't want to pay attention to that. And they have lost no seats in the Senate. So even if Biden comes into the White House, he's going to be dealing with a majorly Republican-based cabinet or, you know, system. system. So he's going to try to get bills passed. And if they're not for the Republican side, they're going to just veto it or say, no, it's not going to happen. So a lot of things he's going to try to put into play will have to pull Trump out of his ass, wouldn't he? Well, you you do make a good point when you say that most of the agendas, if it's going to be a liberal agenda, and when you deal with the Democratic Party, although they're not called liberals, Mm -hmm. they run on more of a liberal base type of, you know, situation, liberal base type of platform. All of that shit is not going to get passed with a conservative Republican House and a conservative Republican Senate. Right. So what you are having is Biden that's going to act as a figurehead because he's not going to have the power in order to get those bills that he truly are trying to get passed to be passed. Right. This is not how it was when you dealt with Obama. Obama had more Democrats on his side in Congress or in the uh, legislative branch of America. Joe Biden ain't going to have that opportunity because it's going to be more geared towards the Republican Party. So although Joe Biden is going to be an ego win, Mm -hmm. is he truly going to be able to pass some of the laws that are liberal? Because one of the agendas that he said he has when he walks into the door is LGBT is going to be the top of his priority. Immigration is going to be top of his priority. Mm -hmm. These are both dealing with things that Republicans hate to the depth and they do not support. Congress is not going to support it. The House of Representatives are not going to support it. Okay. So you honestly are not dealing with a person that has power. You're dealing with a person that's going to soothe the United States ego and heart so that the real shit gets passed. That's basically what this whole election has been about. And a lot of people basically have to look at it this way. They're, they've been so fed up with Trump that they're just willing to take Biden just so they can ease the tension that's going on in America. And the thing about it, honestly, I really don't understand. Actually, I do understand. Most people don't do their research because when you're dealing with racism, if you're going to say racism, and I like what Dr. Claude Anderson says, racism is not about if I call you a nigger. Racism is not about if I call a Chinese person a derogatory term. Racism is about groups of people going for economic gain. That's what racism is. It is a race in order to get economic freedom. So I don't understand why you don't understand that Joe Biden has a track record for being one of the biggest racists in the United States or in Congress. Number one thing he was is something that most young people don't understand. He was a Dixiecrat. And do you know what a Dixiecrat is? What is a Dixiecrat? A Dixiecrat is a person that when they were doing the civil rights laws back in 1964 to 1968 that opposed any type of integration of black people and white people. Matter of fact, he said that the black people, if they went into the white schools, they were going to be considered turning them into jungles, a.k.a. that the black people were monkeys. Ah, So you're dealing with a person that has some of the most uh, archaic 
racist type of mentality when he deals with other races, specifically African-American. You're also dealing with a person that did more than the 94 crime bill. You're dealing with a person that has been racist since the times of 1977 when he went up to Congress and said, basically, we're not going to integrate these black kids, these black savages into our schools. So he has had an extraordinary amount of racist talking points that nobody wants to talk about, not to mention the whole rape, sexual harassment. But hell, it seems like it comes with the territory. Because the thing is, they always you can't want... be presidential without some type of sexual assault. Now, this this is what it seemed like. Except for Obama, yes. Well, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Gonna get into. But that. you see, the thing is about that is is that they're always riding on the bandwagon of change. People can change. People can evolve. And they're saying that well, Biden has admitted that he has said and pushed some deplorable things towards minorities over the past. So it's like I had to learn from that. I had to be grow from that. I had to be a better person from that. Now I ask this one question. At a certain time and place, how much learning and how much growing can you do? Nah, after you punch me one one time, I know that I'm if you touch me or if you look like you're gonna do it again, I'm gonna have to whoop your ass. So that's just the call of the jungle. That's the name of the game. So how exactly how much change do people really expect Joe Biden to have? Just because you selected a black woman to be your vice president? Well, first of all, you should know that she doesn't claim that because her name is Kamala instead of Kamala. <laughs> that, that, that's all for it, you know, because word inflection, word, you know, cadence speaks a lot with culture. Okay, so uh, let's say for a woman of color, that's a little bit better. That's a okay, so just because you selected a woman of color and Kamala Harris, does that supposed to mean you're somehow changed now? That you're so-called progressive now? That you're more understanding? Yeah. Really? Well, I think Things don't know. change like that. It just does not... Let a drop of a dime don't change, okay? And you already see a lot of his movements, a lot of his, his agendas, a lot of things he's trying to push already are, once again, pushing black people in the back. You know one thing that people always... I, I believe that they misinterpret this. It, it's very misleading. When you talk about the crack epidemic in the 1984s, everybody say that it was Ronald Reagan. And it was, you know, with Columbia getting the, the cocaine and being able to fund their wars by shipping it to America, the CIA, back and forth, back and forth. You're absolutely right. But one of the number one people that caused the crack epidemic to affect black people the most was Joe Biden. And I'm going to tell you how. See, everybody look at that 94 crime bill and say, oh, three strikes you out, all of that. Oh, that's what did it. It was one part. But the biggest part that did it was this thing called 100 to 1. Does anybody know what 100 to 1 means? Please explain it. That means that for every 100 grams of powder cocaine, you can get the same amount of time if you get found with one gram of crack. So you had black people that was in inner cities because they couldn't afford powdered cocaine right. that was actually using crack cocaine uh -huh. that if they got caught with one gram of crack cocaine, they would get the same amount of time as if you got caught with 100 grams of powdered cocaine. And you can do a quick research about how much a hundred, how much time you're doing with 100 grams. Because guess what? It's a lot. So let's say you got a white person that's in the suburbs or you got a call. You got anybody in the suburbs that had maybe four or five grams of cocaine. You were getting them slaps on the wrist, literally probation. But you were giving this inner city kid that was 16, 17, didn't have any food. It was only hustling to feed his mother and to feed his younger siblings 
10 to 15 to 25 years because he had a gram or two grams of cocaine. And this person that had 15 to 25 grams of powder cocaine was basically only getting probation and having to do some community service. That's what truly affected the black community. Not because it was just crack cocaine, but because of the legislation, how they worded it. Because the one thing about racists, you're not going to look on any books and it's going to say, we're going to target black people. You're never going to do that. What they do is they research what are black people more likely to do? What are white people more likely to do? So whatever African-Americans are or whatever they're more likely to do, we'll write a bill that takes away that privilege. So if you were pumping crack cocaine into the inner city and you were putting a powder cocaine into the upper white societies or the upper class, if you wrote a bill that said that crack cocaine gets 35 years for one gram, mm -hmm. even though you didn't say black people, you're specifically targeting African-Americans because that's where the crack cocaine goes. And that, a lot of times this is exactly how they do things. They write bills, not by race, mm -hmm. but by habits. Let me break down. So let's, let's expand yeah, on this. If they wrote you get 40 years for fried chicken, we, uh, yeah, we, nah, we're 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 going to be gone. We're done. <laughs> so look at it like this way. This is how basically how I processed it. You get a gram of cocaine, let's say the bare minimum and this 101 game, the bare minimum you get is 10 years. Let's say you just get 10 years. Now, here comes the 94 crime bill. This is how that kicks in. So you already got a felony. You got one strike against you already. So a misdemeanor, technically considered to be a misdemeanor. You take that 10, you get out. Okay, you still things haven't changed in your economy. You still got to sell some. You still got slang a little bit. You sell some weed. Same thing happens. It's weed's a lower level drug, so it's like okay, you might be able to slide with that. So you go and start slanging weed. Get caught again, it's a misdemeanor. But since you already got that first strike against you, guess what? Now you're going back to jail. You're going back to jail. Let's say when you do what 10, 15 years this time in your bid, because you stuck now because you already did that first 10 years. Now you got another 15. You've done 25 years total. Get out, you're on your last strike. Can't sell drugs because you're afraid you might go back to prison again. But the economy, but you can't get a job because you're a two-time felon now. So you can't get it, you can't get employed at a reasonable job. You're probably gonna have to go flip some burgers for the rest of your fucking life because you can't do anything else. You're running out of time, you're running out of money, you can't provide for yourself legitimately with these low-income jobs. So guess what? You might fall back into hustling. You fall back into hustling, guess what happens? You get caught again, guess what happens? Now you're in jail for the rest of your fucking life. That's what 101 does, 101 does, that's what the 94 crime bill did, and that's what's been affecting black people for pretty much almost our whole lives. Now, since we're talking about all these bad things dealing with uh, Joe Biden and his presidential election, let's talk about some of the solutions and let's just keep this where we're going to keep this. Let's just talk about solutions towards people in the inner city. We're using cold words now. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest solution that you can have is number one. Get to understand what it means to have political situations, political programs. Mm -hmm. Understand what civics is. Mm -hmm. Because civics is the study 
of politics, okay? Most people don't know that. I say, hey, man, did you study city civics? They gonna tell me, no, man, but I like four Tauruses. No, nigga, civics is politics, bro, okay? You have to understand what it is. Now, the reason why is because encoded in all these thousands of documentations and all these thousands of ordinance that each city passes every year are keys to you reaching some form of financial freedom. And what do I mean by that is, do you know that they are practically giving away houses? Do you know that in Illinois, in Chicago specifically? The reason why you need to understand politics, because if you understood it, you would know that there is a uh, citation, not a citation, there is an ordinance called ILCS 310 Abandonment and Rehabilitation Housing Act. Mm -hmm. And what that allows you to do is if you have a 501c3, which is a nonprofit organization, you can literally go to any abandoned house in Cook County, put in, uh, you have to go through a, what they call an administrative process, but that basically means mail in to the uh, recent owner, see if it's actually abandoned. You have to understand what the uh, definition of abandoned is. And after it is literally abandoned, you now can go through a process of acquiring that and flipping that to either low income or living in it for yourself. Right. And you haven't paid any mortgage. The only thing that you've done is literally fix the house up. So whatever maintenance fees or whatever property tax that you can pay is all you have to do. But no mortgages. If you don't understand politics, you don't understand where to go to find that out at. You don't understand that you have to go to the Illinois General Assembly's Hall in order to get that type of information. So it's one thing for the, the hotel person or the person that's uh, rebelling against the system to say, man, I don't believe in all that politics shit. I understand. I even share the same sentiment in a sense. But what I do understand is policies are in politics. So when you look at the policies, you can find out information that can help you and yours on a tangible level. If you find out that there are certain rules to getting a car that can bypass getting city stickers, if you find out there are certain rules towards when you interact with a police that you have more rights than you know, this is all found in policies, AKA politics. So I advise you to take that little a uh, pessimistic veil off of your eyes and realize that you need to understand codes, if not national codes dealing with the presidency, your local codes. And you need to vote for people that have your same agenda. I'm not talking about voting for your state senator, even though mm -hmm. you should. I'm not talking about voting for your president. If you want to, you can. I'm talking about voting for your aldermen. I'm talking about voting for your city councilmen. I'm talking about voting for your judges. Matter of fact, I just worked the poll. I worked the polls this year. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I kept seeing over and over again is people come in and they didn't know who the hell was running for circuit court judge. Who the hell was running for Cook County judge? The only thing they did was look at the name and if it sounded ethnic, that's who they picked. Or if it was Democratic or Republican. That's who they picked. But even, even then, if some of it didn't even have Democratic Republican once you got down to the judges. If they saw it said Tanisha Rashad, oh, I'm picking her. If right. they saw it said Philip Buchanan, oh, I'm not picking him. Right. But they didn't know anything about the actual judges' records. Because some of these judges out here, and I'm just dealing with Cook County, but it's like this around the world. Mm -hmm. Some of these judges have harsh sentence practicing yeah. meaning that you come in there for a gram of cocaine and they'll lock your ass up like you was freeway rick and waltz mm -hmm. 
some of these people have uh, are not lenient on people that are on child support. You might come in there and might have a little domestic dispute and they may come and take your whole goddamn family away from you. You have to know who these judges are, who these aldermen are in order to make where you live a better place instead of worrying about this national thing. Right. You can worry about it if you want to, but you need to know who the hell is over your ward, who the hell is over your precinct and who the hell is in your county. Our county is Cook. That's going to make the law. So when you get locked up or if you got to go to court. You need to know who you looking at. Who is this dude sitting in this seat with this black robe that is going to give African-Americans more time than he gives Caucasians because he's known for it and he's on the ballot. But you haven't researched. You need to know this shit. Because speaking of Illinois specifically, Cook County is the largest county in this region. Yeah. It's huge. So it covers a very, very large area. Chicago. Where we are right now, I'm not going to tell you where we are. Chicago, the surrounding suburbs of Chicago, everywhere. That's a large area to cover. So you need to understand who the hell is running this section. And I'm going to be, you know what? I'm going to take a little time. I touched on this a little bit earlier. But uh, I'm going to really kind of dive into and expand about this. And I've talked about the people who tend to banter back and forth about who they want to choose or who you want to vilify for choosing whose side you on. I'm going to make this perfectly clear. Let's start off with the people who elected not to vote. Because, and they had the right. You don't get to complain if you don't do anything about your situation. I got a question for you. What's up? So what happens to the people that say, man, voting don't change your goddamn thing. Because, you know, you have people that have this paradigm of, well, I'm not going to vote because it's not going to change. The president is not elected. It's selected. What do you say to those people? You have every guy given right to feel that way and understand that. However, if you choose not to participate, then what are you expecting to get done? I'm starting to believe with my age that when... Because, first of all, like you got the P. Diddy's that saying vote or die. And yeah. all that type of stuff. And Revolt TV. But then you have this other faction that said don't vote. And a lot of the reasons why they say don't vote, it comes off as good. I, I, it, I, I fell victim to it too. Mm-hmm. But then you have to realize, wait a minute. Now, I understand voting for the president because the electoral college picks them. Right. But just like I said, if I live in the Ninth Ward, 34th Precinct of Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. and my alderman literally dictates how my streets look yeah if they pick up my garbage Mm -hmm. if you know i if you know if a pole goes down in my neighborhood if the people are going to respond in a day or respond in 10 days so that means that my uh refrigerator thaws out and all my food is missing i have the power to pick who that is but i choose not to exactly now we're starting to say, wait a minute. Now, okay, now I'm not participating in saving my own self. Right. Because on a local level, these people literally have your life and your family's life in the palm of their hands because they have the power to make your situation better or worse. They can bring jobs. An alderman can bring jobs or can bring, uh, can, let's say an alderman says, there's some zoning in the city of Chicago or West Pullman that we want to 
put some um, manufacturing companies here. Mm -hmm. So for every manufacturing company that comes to West Pullman that the alderman allows means a hundred or two hundred more jobs that get circulated into the West Pullman community in Chicago. Mm -hmm. That specifically means that two hundred people that did not have a job have the ability to have a job and be able to support their families and to get on some type of economic footing. Right. So that specifically and directly affects you. Right. So you need to look at this political game and understand where you fit in. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't vote, if you don't get inside of that part of it, then your ass is just, why are you? So now you understand the point of like, this is why I've always said, you should always, if you're going to vote, vote locally, start there. Focus on that. Yeah, you can say this is this whole presidential thing is one big shuck and jive song and Which dance. It is. We already know. But the elections also still affect where you are living right now, which you should be paying attention to. So when I hear somebody go out there and say, I'm not gonna vote because it ain't gonna change anything, I say, first of all, shut the fuck up. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm that. just saying that's this is me. First of all, when I say shut the fuck up, that's just on me. But on a more serious level, one, don't complain about what the outcome is then. Because if you're struggling to find a job because you didn't go out there and, find, and vote for that alderman that's supposed to support your best interests, then what are you crying about? You lost already when you decided not to participate. You lost already when you not decided that you couldn't do, that you all of a sudden couldn't do what you were supposed to do. You, couldn't, you didn't want to do this. Nothing ever changes for me. I didn't want to do this. You lost. You don't get the privilege to complain. You don't. You just don't. So stop whining about it. I'm and I've seen so many people on social media crying about, well, I don't like the fact. I, I had a lady over here, a young lady over here talking some. I really wish people would stop trying to come at the people who chose not to vote because it's not like we always have the right, the freedom and privilege to do so. Yeah, we understand that. But if you decide. Decide to not vote. What position do you have to say have an opinion? But just give the people context on what type of voting because we don't want them to see this, not understand what we're saying, and take this all out of context. For instance, example, uh, the fair tax plan that was supposed to be put into place in Illinois that J.B. Princeton tried to push that I found kind of ironic because he spent over $50 million in advertisement for that fair tax plan only for the state of Illinois to say, no, we're good. We're not going to do that. Because well, right now, we're in a flat tax, which means everybody gets taxed the same way. The fair tax plan, now, if you didn't understand, if you didn't go vote and you looked at the language of that description, you was kind of like, oh, what the hell is he saying? As a matter of fact, most people was doing that. When people would walk up to me yeah. all the time and say, what is What's Amendment that? Yeah. 3? No one understood that. And you know what happens when people don't understand something? They hit no. Just to be on the safe side. If you don't understand something, you hit no. So what happens was this fair tax plan was supposed to tax, was basically kind of like what Biden's tax plan was. It was supposed to tax people of a certain percentile, which is about, let's say, what, $100,000, I think, something like that. So if you're 100000 you make 100000 a year, you're supposed to get taxed more. And then the middle to lower income classes were supposed to get taxed the same way we're getting taxed now or less. What happened was a lot of people in this description, what it did was a lot of people were concerned about that the amendment of this tax plan would open the door for more leverage. It's almost like people were afraid of 
politicians getting more leverage in how they bill you. So, of course, they're going to say no, because they number one in this country, the number one thing that people don't like hearing about is taxes and more of them. That's how you easily lose everything, because now when you're getting taxed more, what's to stop these rich people who are a hundred thousand or more to decide to say, you know what, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to Indiana where I don't have to worry about that. I'm going to go to Wisconsin where I don't have to worry about that. I'm going to go to Ohio or go to uh, Missouri, whatever neighboring state they want to go to. If they all, the majority decided them to do that, guess who gets left with the bill? You do. And now you're the one that's stuck paying these high-ass taxes because the rich people didn't want to pay it. And now the money's got to come somewhere. I'm going to tell you why you should vote on a local level too. Everything that he just talked about with taxes, your aldermans of your wards and your precincts could pass a bill that'll allow you to have tax education programs so you will understand exactly what the Amendment 3, a.k.a. the Fair Taxing Bill is. Because a lot of the times they pull the wool over your head and the only reason you go for it is because you have no information. Your alderman, your councilman inside of your ward. I live in Ward 9. Mm -hmm. So the people that is over my ward can specifically make me they can create a program that would allow me to go and find out what this means or they could keep doing what they have been doing and allowing the potholes to build up inside of my neighborhood not giving me the education that i need as far as the programs dealing with politics dealing with taxes dealing with real estate and dealing with future investments because that's what they are doing and this is exactly what they're doing in inglewood they're keeping you dumb can i can i do a quick call out real quick it's just to see if people will do it if I call out anybody right now to go on our comment, even if it's like you're doing a rewatch, go on the comment section and give us a rough draft, understandable explanation of explanations, explanation, an understanding explanation of what Amendment 3 is. If you can do that, then I, we might have a better idea of what kind of what world we're dealing with. Because if you don't know what Amendment 3 is, then that shows how much you need tax education. Exactly. And that's why I say it's more, that's why we say it's more important to vote locally than to vote on a grander stage like a presidency. Because in the long run, it don't really affect us. It's a song and dance. And honestly, you wouldn't have to worry about Joe Biden's 94 crime bill on a national level if locally you voted and the guy that you voted for or the girl you voted for put jobs into your community. Because you know the number one reason why people do crime? What? Because they have no money. Okay, so the way to actually affect that is to vote for somebody that will bring business into your community so that your people will be able to get jobs. Mm -hmm. And when you have jobs, you'd be surprised all of the things that get people locked up like you could not have money. So you did not pay for that ticket, which caused your license to go into suspension. Then you got pulled over by the cops and now you in Cook County Jail. It could be that simple. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's just because you had no money and no ways of getting money. So vote for somebody that's going to bring businesses inside of your ward, mm. inside of your precincts, that would allow you to have a opportunity in order to better yourselves. And you don't have to worry about the national because if you got $5,000 inside of a bank account, and if you go get a ticket or get pulled over and you can go to Cook County and pay it immediately, mm -hmm. 
then you don't have those problems to worry about, okay? But if you're looking over locally and just focusing on this issue, you are not looking at what is the real big problem. And that's these aldermen and these councilmen not bringing jobs into the inner city community right. and not creating outlets for the children to do things that's promising to their futures, like day camp programs or even vocational programs, a.k.a. job training, that would allow them to have something when they get out of high school if they don't want to go to college. You have to look at it on that level. Stop looking at the issue and look at what really counts. Vote for the aldermen that's really going to help your people and your mama and your daddy and your kids. And one more thing I want to touch on, one more thing. Take take advice from this election and apply this to what is going on locally. Don't just vote for somebody just because they may sound like you or look like you or talk happening. like you I'm or a, walk like you. I'm going to keep it real with you. Because y'all... Y'all need to be ashamed of yourself. Because you just jumped the bandwagon real quick. You didn't know who you were voting for in there and what you were doing for. If they had a real ethnic name, you would vote for them. If the circuit court judge had a name like Shaniqua Watson, you didn't know what her bill was. You didn't know if she was hard on African-Americans. You didn't know if she was hard on child support. You don't know if she was locking up black people left to right like hot pancakes. Mm. You just saw the name Shaniqua Jackson. And you voted for because you are still under this context of I got to get the black person in. You have to get the right person in. okay? Mm. now I'm I'm pro for my people and all. But if there is a person that is locking up people at a higher clip for less crimes and you have a person that's the opposite race. That is not doing that. I'm not going to be all moralistic and altruistic and say, well, I'm going to vote for the black person. I'm going to vote for the person that's not going to lock me up for 10 years for a petty crime or a class A felony, okay? Because in the end of the day, you are voting for your own best interest. Your well-being. Your well-being. And no party is going to determine that for you. We've seen what both Republicans and Democrats have done to fuck us over for years. It don't matter. I don't give a fuck why I vote independent. Just well, okay, do right. okay, with the F-bombs, bro. Right. <laughs> the F-bombs. I'm just saying, I'm being real. Nah, because I'm passionate about okay, this. I'm being honest with you. Okay, please don't do the F-bombs. I know you're passionate. Listen, listen this is seriously, because the thing is, I am done arguing. I'm done arguing. I'm done debating. I'm done trying to understand people's logic about this. It's pretty much cut and dry that in this political game, if you don't understand what's going on, then don't complain. Or if you do understand what's going on, do something about it. Please do something about it. If you don't think voting is the answer, then fine. Give me another solution. Give us another solution, but don't tell us that we got to just let it happen. I have a solution that me and you could do. What? Now, we always talk about this at the beginning of the show. We got this thing we call town hall business. Mm. But I think what we need to be doing around the Chicagoland area is having town hall meetings, a.k.a. town hall business with the brothers, so that we can actually educate our people about what they need to be voting for, why they need to be voting locally, what they need to be looking out for as far as taxes, real estate, how they can get money in their pockets by following certain programs and following certain ordinances, and just updating our people on what they need in order to better themselves in this city and this county 
And if we can make it in this country, that would be great. But let's focus on what we can control first. So maybe we need to start doing town hall meetings in the city of Chicago so we can update all the people, whether you 12, because it starts when you're young, or you 120. We need to update these people and give them the proper information so that the next time you go to vote for somebody, at least when you see his name is Raheem Brown, you know that his policies are actually okay for you to vote for and not just because he has an ethnic name. So that's what I say one of the solutions that we can start doing instead of just, you know, you need to go do this. We need to do something. (laughs) So that's what I propose that we do. We do some town hall meetings in the city of Chicago. I said what I said. I think the people need to get a grip and understand where they stand. You either on this side or you on this side. You got to pick a side because all that intersectional and that that don't work for us. You got to pick a side about what or not what you're going to be about. Understand that first and then get moving. That's all I got to say. I'm done. Well, this wraps up today's show. This has been a very emotional and passionate show. But hey, you had to get the information. I am so glad that y'all tuned in. And whoever watched it for the duration of the show, I hope you, I hope you walked away with some good information. Because this is not just something to watch for entertainment. If you can apply some of this stuff, it can actually help you in your everyday life. So, like I always say, I'm Dante Chase Bridges. And I am Stephen City P. Watson. And on that note, we are out, people. Like I always say, this ain't peace. This is peace. So, peace. Get out of here. Enjoy your weekend.